the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The Bible says God chastens whom he loves. And the purpose of the chastening is to bring repentance. That's true with a nation. That's true with an individual. God is trying to bring this nation to repentance. He's trying to bring an individual to repentance. And one of the things that we have seen over and over in the prophets is that God chastens Israel. And when he chastens Israel, he hits their economy. And he hits their food supply to get their attention. The fact that God disciplines those he loves seems to go against what we want. Why on earth would you want to be punished by God? And how can God love you if he wants to punish you right? It seems like an oxymoron. But remember that God chastens in proportion to his love. And today, Pastor Dan will be reading through the book of Amos, where you will see that God disciplines and chastises those he loves to make them better. He corrects you because he has accepted you as his child. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Amos chapter 7 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. going to be in Amos chapter 7. We're actually going to finish the book of Amos tonight. Isn't that wonderful news? Praise the Lord. Uh, But before you turn to Amos chapter 7, if you'll turn to Amos chapter 1 for me, I just want to read Amos chapter 1 verse 1. I know you already know it. I know you memorized it, but I just want to read it to you. (laughs) Amos chapter 1, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep readers of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So Amos begins by giving us this time stamp and tells us it's two years before the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah. Zechariah the prophet also mentions this earthquake in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5. And I want to just show you an image, if you want to bring up that image for me. Uh, These are some newspaper headlines from Israeli newspapers from this previous year, from 2021, archaeologists, as they were excavating in the city of Jerusalem, have come down to the layer where this earthquake took place. And so these are headlines from just, you know, secular newspapers, the Times of Israel, archaeologists unearthed First Jerusalem evidence of quake from Bible's Book of Amos, right? So these are news headlines in newspapers from the earthquake that's mentioned in the Book of Amos, Isn't that cool? I mean, here we are studying the book of Amos, and it's in the news, and archaeology is confirming what we're reading in the Bible. Not that we need archaeology to confirm what we read in the Bible, uh, but it's nice when it does. So, okay, chapter 7 for us, Amos chapter 7. I'm also going to reference Proverbs chapter 1 and Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
If you want to go ahead and find those in your Bible so you can turn there quickly, Proverbs 1, Deuteronomy 8. You know, one of the things that archaeologists found in those excavations in the city of David in Jerusalem is domesticated pigs, which are against the law of Moses, of course. But remember, we've been learning about how they have just turned away from God's word. And so they actually have found the remains of domesticated pigs in Jerusalem. I thought you guys would be more wowed by that. I was super, wow, they've got pigs there. (laughs) Just as a reminder, remember Amos was a prophet of God during the time when Israel was divided into the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. He was born and lived in the southern kingdom, but God called him to minister and preach in the northern kingdom. Chapters 7 to 9, this last section of the book of Amos, consist of five visions given by God to Amos concerning the judgment of God that was about to come upon the northern kingdom of Israel. So God communicated to Amos through visions. We see God communicate through visions in the New Testament as well as part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. You can tell whether you're an old man or a young man, or you're dreaming dreams, or you're seeing visions. So God still communicates to his people through visions. He's going to give Amos five visions here, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 7. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, he formed locust swarms, At the beginning of the late crop, indeed it was the late crop after the king's mowing. So God will send a plague of locusts on the land of Israel. Joel also mentioned this plague of locusts. And this plague of locusts will have a catastrophic impact on the food supply and the economy of the nation of Israel. Notice it says that God formed these locusts. This plague was God's doing against the nation. It was not a a random act of nature. It was not a natural disaster. This plague is from God. And God sent this plague upon the nation and ruined the food supply and ruined the economy of the nation in an attempt to humble the people, to cause the nation to turn from their wicked ways and to turn back to the Lord. The Bible says God chastens whom he loves. And the purpose of the chastening is to bring repentance. And that's true with a nation. That's true with an individual. God is trying to bring this nation to repentance. He's trying to bring an individual to repentance And one of the things that we have seen over and over in the prophets is that God chastens Israel. And when he chastens Israel, he hits their economy. And he hits their food supply to get their attention. And notice the timing of the plague of locusts. The timing is important. It says he formed locust swarms. Notice at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was the late crop after the king's Mowing. Now, whenever you read something like that in the Bible, you should ask the question, why do I need to know that information? And what, what does that information tell me that is important for me to understand this passage? Well, 
There were two main crop harvests each year in ancient Israel. Two main crop harvests. If you turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. This is before God brought the children of Israel into the land of Israel. They're about to go into the land of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. The Lord says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. Notice verse 8. It's a land of wheat and barley, of vines, that would be grapes, and fig trees and pomegranates, and a land of olive oil and honey. So this is what grows in the land of Israel in ancient times. This was their food. The first harvest, remember there's two harvests in the year. The first harvest was in the springtime, usually March and April. That's when all of the grain was harvested, the wheat and the barley. If you look at verse 8 again, the crops are actually listed in their order of harvest here. The wheat and barley was harvested in the spring, usually March or April. And then the wheat and the barley, that was their main diet in ancient Israel. The second harvest or the late harvest was harvested in August and September. And the late harvest, the late crop, it consisted mainly of fruit, grapes, the vine that's mentioned here, figs, pomegranates, and then olives were harvested last in in the season. So now turn with me back to Amos chapter 7 and look at the detail that we're given here. And verse 1, it says, The swarms of locusts showed up in the land at the beginning of the late harvest. When it was almost time to harvest the grapes and the figs and the pomegranates and the olives. And the locusts, it says, devoured all of the vegetation. So that late crop was completely lost. Notice also it says it was the late crop after the king's mowing. Or after the king's share, your translation might say. The king would take a significant portion of the first harvest from the people, the wheat and the barley. If you're taking notes, the Hebrew word for this is taxes. He would tax the people. And the king took, listen, he took the majority of the first harvest as a tax on the people for his government, to run his government. Some scholars believe the king at this point took all of the early harvest as a tax. So the timing of this plague means the king already had his share. So the king and his government officials, the bureaucrats, were not impacted by this plague at all. They already have their portion. So they didn't feel the effect of this plague. And so... They were unconcerned with the plight of the ordinary people in the nation. The late crop, that's what's described here, the late crop that went to the ordinary people that they depended on to live was completely wiped out by the locusts. So they had to give the early crop as a tax. They don't really have that. They're waiting on this later crop, and that's wiped out by the locusts. 
And so the people were left starving. And there will not be another harvest until the next spring. Eight months away. They can't plant crops like an emergency crop in the summertime because it's too hot and dry. It'll burn up the crop. So they just have to wait until the next spring harvest to get some relief. But even then, the king taxes that spring harvest. So even as they wait another eight months for the next harvest, the king will take the majority of that harvest, which means it's not until the late crop of the next year, a year away, that the people will finally start to catch up on their food supply and the economy will start to recover. My point is the timing on this plague is devastating to the country and to the economy. It's a perfect storm and the country is going to take years to catch up. The country is going to take years to recover economically. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. That's why in verse 2, Amos prays. And so it was when he had finished eating the grass of the land that I said, O Lord God, Forgive, I pray, oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. Amos intercedes for the nation. He prays for the nation that God would be merciful. And notice in his prayer in verse 2, Amos says, oh, that Jacob would stand, for he is a small nation. Lord, this could wipe out the nation completely. Lord, we may never recover from this economically. That's how bad it was. Have you felt that way at times over the last couple years? Lord, we may not recover from this. This is pretty bad. We may not get back to normal. But notice here that because Amos prayed, God relented. And he spared Israel. And you may look at our nation and our world and think, well, what can I possibly do? To turn the tide in my nation. I'm just one person I'm a nobody. You can pray. You can pray for our nation. You can pray for our community. You can pray that God would be merciful to us and relent. Just as Amos does here. Second Chronicles 7.14 that we've talked about several times. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. That's a promise. In Ezekiel 22, the Lord describes the wickedness of Israel. He, he makes his case for judging them. But then the Lord says in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God was looking for just one person that would stand in the gap. 
for the nation. We can stand in the gap for our nation through prayer. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, Timothy was a young pastor in the New Testament. He was a young pastor of the church in the city of Ephesus. And Paul wrote to Timothy, and he told Timothy, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul says to Timothy, first of all, meaning this should be your first priority, pray, pray for all people, especially for those in authority. The most effective and powerful thing that we can do to change our nation and our culture is pray. There's a whole lot of things we can do that are easier than prayer, but nothing is as effective as prayer. Amos prayed and God responded to his prayer and God relented concerning Israel and this plague that was upon the nation that destroyed their economy. In verse four, Amos receives his second vision from God. Thus the Lord showed me, behold, the Lord God called for conflict by fire and it consumed the great deep and devoured the territory. So God sends a wildfire upon the land to devour the land. And they had no way of extinguishing the fire. All they could do was watch it burn their land and burn their crops and burn their homes. And again, God did this to humble the people. God's desire was not to destroy the people. He desired that they would repent and turn back to him. He sent these things upon the nation to wake them up. He's giving them space to repent before judgment comes down upon the nation. Just as he does with an individual. He gives us space to repent and turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. And again, Amos intercedes for the nation in verse 5. Then I said, Oh, Lord God, cease, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. And so the Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be. Amos prayed the same prayer. These wildfires could devastate the nation beyond repair. And again, the Lord responded to Amos's prayer and relented. So in verse 7, we have the third vision God gave to Amos. Thus he showed me, a plumb line. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line and with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. And then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people, Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. In this vision, God uses a plumb line. Now, a plumb line is a string with a weight on the bottom of it, and it's used to determine if a wall is straight and upright, if it's straight vertically. And God said, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people. God's plumb line is his word, the Bible. And God puts his word like a plumb line up against a nation to see if that nation is straight and true. Does that nation 
line up with the word of God? Does the laws of that nation line up with the word of God? Do the practices of that nation line up with the word of God? Or is it out of alignment with the word? And God measures our lives by his word. Does our life line up with his word? In the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, when Peter is preaching in Jerusalem on Pentecost, he says to the crowd, save yourselves from this crooked generation. This generation is crooked. It doesn't align with God. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says, we are children of God living in a warped and crooked generation. The culture doesn't line up with God's word. It's warped. It's crooked. Now you can look at a fence post if you're making a fence, or you can look at a wall with the naked eye, and it may look straight and square with the naked eye. You can look at it and say, it looks good to me. But you put a plumb line against it. And you may realize it's not straight at all. In fact, it's very crooked, and it's warped and twisted, and it's leaning. A wall can be so far from straight and true that it's unsafe, and the only thing that can be done is to tear it down and start over. And that's what God is saying about the nation of Israel. I've put my plumb line against the nation of Israel, and the nation has moved so far away from God and so far away from his word and so far away from his commandments that all you can do at this point is tear it down and start over again. There's no fixing it. And that's exactly what God will do. He will tear this nation down, send the people into captivity in Assyria, and just start over again after the captivity. Now that brings us to verse 10. So then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos, look what it says, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their land. Now Amaziah here, the priest of Bethel, Bethel is where, remember, the king Jeroboam set up the golden calf in Bethel and Dan. And so here Amaziah is not a priest of Jehovah, he's not a priest of Yahweh, he's a priest of this false religion. This golden calf, this false god. Amos, the prophet, has been speaking the truth to the nation. Warning the people of God that God's judgment would come to the nation if they do not repent. Amos has said, Israel will be led away captive from their own land. And that's true. Amos has been declaring the truth. In the nation. But notice in verse 10, Amos is falsely accused of being a conspiracy theorist and conspiring against the government and conspiring against the nation. The priest tells the king, Amos has conspired against you. He asked me how I know. 
Amos 4 verse 10 says, I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword, and I carried away your horses, and I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. The first half of chapter 4 contains many words just like this, where the Lord says, I sent hard, hard things your way, but you didn't return to me. Often we look at hard things as outside the will of God. Certainly, a God who loves us wouldn't send difficulties our direction, or would he? As a loving God, a loving parent, he will do what he needs to do to get our attention and draw us back to him. Examine your own life today. Is there anything you know is not right? Bring it before the Lord today. Turn your heart toward Him. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Sexton right here on Ring of Truth, a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. You live in the area? We'd love to meet you. Come join us on a Sunday morning for worship. You can find all the information you need at calvaryec.com. Once again, the website is calvaryec.com. And for those of you who aren't in the area, Head on over to iTunes and find our podcast. We have so many more great messages to share with you. Well, we are running out of time for today, but we want you to know that we are praying for you. So come back and see us again next time for another great message on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.